Hello, everyone. We are so excited to announce this year's Principles to Practice Summit on Montessori and Ecological Consciousness. Join us for this transformative summit, which brings together experts, scientists, activists, and educators to explore how Montessori education can nurture environmental stewardship in our students and cultivate a generation of sustainability leaders. Our lineup of speakers, including our keynote speaker, Robin Wall Kimmerer, will present practical strategies for seamlessly integrating Montessori principles with sustainable practices, empowering educators to foster environmentally aware and socially responsible learners. The summit will run June 17th through 19th, but tickets are available now. Head over to courses.trilliummontessori.org for more information. I'm Simi Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you to Trillium Montessori Talks, the podcast where we dig into the theory and application of Montessori methodology in the classroom and beyond. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Letty Rising and other Trillium course creators. Our goal is to provide you with a weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can optimize the classroom experience for your students and yourself. Ready? Let's talk Montessori. Hello, everyone. My name is Letty Rising, and welcome to another podcast episode of Montessori Talks. And I am enjoying sharing these podcasts and the wealth of information that I've learned throughout the years. And today's podcast episode is called The Montessori Elementary Environment is Different from the Early Childhood Environment. And there are reasons for that. I decided to touch on this topic because when I first learned about Montessori years and years ago, I only learned about Montessori in terms of what it's like in the three to six age environment at first. That is what I knew Montessori to be. It wasn't until I took elementary training that I realized that there are so many differences between the first plane of development, which is ages zero to six, and the second plane of development, which is ages six to 12. And the way the classrooms are set up and structured and designed and the structure of the day and the way they interact with materials and each other is very different. I wanted to touch on this today because it is important that we ensure that we are offering a developmentally appropriate environment for our elementary children and are not just taking what is done in the early childhood or first plane of development and pushing it up into the elementary years. So when the topic of Montessori education comes up with people who know a little bit about it, often what is described is a three to six classroom. And after all, this is the age of development where Maria Montessori really focused her work with the children in Rome when she was fresh out of medical school. And it was the age group that she spent most of her time with. 
I think the Montessori movement has mirrored her focus as currently there tends to be more three to six-year-old Montessori environments than any other age level. So it makes sense that when people talk about the Montessori approach, they might lump all of the planes of development together and think they somehow all mirror the same kind of structure and design as the three to six-year-old classroom. However, the elementary environment is distinctly different, and it should be. The environments are prepared in response to the children's developmental instincts, urges, and inclinations. Let's look at some of the ways in which elementary classrooms are noticeably different from three to six environments. One of the areas is in the area of collaborative work. One of the characteristics of the elementary child is that they have a group instinct. They not only enjoy working together, but this collaborative work is necessary and important for optimal development. Through group work, the children engage in discussions, negotiations, debates, and dialogues. They acquired language in the first plane, and now they are practicing how to use it in different ways and how to refine their communication skills. And this happens through the collaborative work that they engage with each other. In contrast, in three to six-year-old classrooms, you will find children mostly working alone or in pairs. They are working in a community and they are working alongside each other as often as not, but it's not really in a collaborative fashion. In traditional early childhood settings, you might want to, or you might uh, identify it as something similar to parallel play. So this is something that you would see in a early childhood environment where they are working alongside each other. They're working by themselves, but they're not really having lots of meaningful back and forth dialogue and making decisions together, for example. Another thing you're going to notice about the elementary classroom is that elementary classrooms tend to be noisier. So it goes without saying that in an environment where students are engaged in group work, that tends to lend itself to lots of conversation. And when there's lots of talking going on, the classroom is going to be noisier than a three to six classroom where children are largely working alone or in pairs. This is not a bad thing because we want them to have that opportunity to communicate with each other. But that does mean that even if every group of children, every small group of two to three, four children in the classroom are having a conversation at the same time, that means the classroom might be a little bit noisier. And if children are largely working alone or sometimes in pairs as they are in a three to six classroom, then that classroom will be a little bit quieter. So that can come as a surprise for teachers who were trained in uh, primary or children's house, and then they go get their elementary training and start working in an elementary classroom. Sometimes they're quite surprised at, that the noise level is what it is. Now, that doesn't mean that you should have a class that is in pandemonium or so loud that people can't think or they're shouting because they can't hear the person next to them. You certainly don't want that kind of environment, but just know that there's going to be what some would refer to as a 
slow, steady hum of noise in the classroom. Another thing you'll notice is how they gather supplies for doing work. So in a three to six classroom, almost everything a child needs to complete an activity is found on a self-contained tray displayed on a shelf. So for example, if there's an activity that maybe they're going to be creating a little booklet or an art project on that shelf, the pencils or the pens they need will be there, the paper they need will be there, everything they need to complete that activity will be in one place on that tray and on the shelf. That way, the child is able to take a tray off of the shelf, find a place to sit, and rely on the notion that everything they need for the activity is on that tray. This is not true for the elementary environment. When an elementary child is considering using a material on the shelf, they also need to think about where to find a pencil, where to find the paper, They need to think about what kind of paper that they even need, where to find the clipboard, and where to find the additional items they might need to complete that activity. And if a child is planning a big work or a great work, such as a poster or a timeline or even a science experiment, they need to think of all of the materials they will need to execute the project or activity and gather them together from various areas of the class. One of the amazing aspects of the elementary classroom is that children have lots of opportunities to exercise their executive functioning skills and having increased options that no longer involve having work or activity completely self-contained on a tray gives them practice planning for what they need, thinking about where each of those things are in the environment, gathering those things together, and creating something fantastic. So they weren't going to have everything in one place. The whole process of them thinking, okay, the pencils are in a pencil basket on the supply shelf. The big paper is in the closet in the other room. The colored pencils are over here. So they, they're visualizing that. They're, they're putting it in their imaginations, remembering where those things are at. And this is a really good exercise for them in helping them plan and execute the work that they're doing. It's really the next step in their development rather than having everything contained on one tray, which they mastered earlier on in their development if they were in a children's house classroom. Another thing we do in the elementary environment is we give the children the universe, the entire universe. So the three to six child is learning all about the world. In fact, I heard that Maria Montessori originally wanted to introduce the world in the elementary years, and she discovered along the way that children of this age were very interested in learning about the earth. So she decided to show them the earth, its landforms and continents, and its people, its plants, and its animals. And that ended up being a really exciting and fun thing for the three to six child. So she decided to integrate learning about the world and everything on the world in those years. However, in the elementary years, 
we give them the keys to the universe. There is no topic that is off limits in terms of knowledge acquisition. And they learn about all of the planets, the solar system, everything beyond the earth that you could imagine, things that happened a long time ago, and even thinking about what could happen in the future. Children are introduced to cosmic education and receive lessons on the topics of math, language, geometry, history, geography, biology, art, and music, even more. PE and other topics that weren't even mentioned are integrated in the entirety of cosmic education. These presentations are a starting point for further interest-based research. Another thing to consider in the elementary years is that repetition looks different. In the three to six classroom, children repeat activities over and over again. It's as if they have an inner urge or an instinct to do so, which drives them to master and perfect fine motor skills and aids in development of concentration. You might walk into a three to six classroom and observe a child washing a table for an hour and then see them return to the same activity the very next day. Or you may see a child take out the red rods, a Montessori sensorial material, and use them every day for a week. Children this age love to repeat by doing the same activity over and over again. The elementary child, however, no longer derives satisfaction from this kind of repetition. Elementary children like to repeat by way of variety and through big work. When an elementary child is mastering multiplication, they have several materials in the classroom they can use to help them. The large bead frame, the checkerboard, the bank game, the flat bead frame, just to name a few. This is the way they repeat is to have variety because they don't want to do the same thing over and over again. That gets very boring for the elementary child. So we need to jazz it up for them a little bit. Another way that repetition occurs is through big work. When a presentation is offered, children often engage in follow-up work. This follow-up work often is bigger than a typical eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper can handle. So you're often going to want to create a poster or a timeline and making it much more exciting. Another thing about the elementary environment is that the materials look a bit different. Sometimes elementary teachers get excited when they see three-part cards or nomenclature cards, and there's an inclination to buy numerous sets of these cards and put them into various neat little trays or containers and set them on the shelves. However, not to burst your bubble or anything, but the elementary child is not as drawn to these cards as they were in the early childhood years. We certainly do have nomenclature cards on shelves in elementary environments, especially in the areas of geometry and biology. And it's so much fun to create picture and story cards where there are a bunch of photos showcasing an animal doing different things and matching the text to the photos. You definitely want to have some sets of these in the classroom. However, what is even more fun is to have a limited amount of nomenclature or picture and story cards available and encourage the children to do some research and make their own cards. 
It's a far more involved process, and they enjoy repeating by the way of making their own materials. Some of them may even want to display their own cards on the shelves next to the cards that you have either created or purchased for the classroom yourself. I remember I had a student who uh, was really interested in like the parts of the mammal, the parts of the amphibian, the reptile, and so on. And she created her own little set of the parts of the turtle because we had a turtle at our school and she created the parts of the turtle. And I could have bought a set of parts of the turtle. I'm sure on Teachers Pay Teachers, we there are sets of those some, somewhere or in some Montessori shop online, you could find nomenclature cards or three-part cards for parts of the turtle. And I could have spent all this time cutting them out and making them all pretty and putting it on the shelf. But honestly, the kids are going to what? Use that one time, two times maybe, and then they're done with it. It's really not worth your time and energy. Instead, let them create their own parts of the turtle booklet. That's going to take them a few days. They're going to illustrate it, write it nicely, make it beautiful. And then they may take it home. They may use it with a friend at school a little while. They may put it on the shelf for display for a little while. And it makes for a much more enriching experience than them copying nomenclature cards or matching nomenclature cards. They're not really that excited about doing that in the elementary years. Another thing to consider about the elementary child is that the absorbent mind is now replaced with the reasoning mind. During the first plane of development, the absorbent mind is at center stage. This is why children are able to acquire so much knowledge and skills, such as walking and talking and even learning a foreign language with seemingly little effort. However, when the child enters into the second plane of development, the absorbent mind is no longer at play and instead the reasoning mind comes to the forefront. The child is no longer just interested in knowing the names of things. They want to know how and why. We also want to touch on the idea or the topic of intellectual independence. When people think of Montessori, even those who know very little about the method, they usually know that independence is a huge part of the Montessori approach. However, the focus moves away from physical independence activities that are part of the early childhood experience, such as dressing themselves, eating, toileting, and all of that good stuff, to the area of intellectual independence. Elementary children are now being exposed to the ideas and thoughts of others and are beginning to formulate their own opinions and ideas that might be separate from their family of origin. So, we are looking at their intellectual independence here. They hopefully have achieved much of the physical independence they need to navigate the environment independently. And now we're focusing on their intellectual independence. And, you know, they're going to want to be thinking their own thoughts and, and they're going to be adopting thoughts from their friends. You know, previously they were 
focused on their parents and their family of origin and thinking similarly to them. But now they're being exposed to different ways of thinking, different ideas, and they're going to be incorporating that into their own lives. So that's a whole new stage that you are encountering in the elementary years. Another thing that you're going to notice in the elementary environment that's different than it was before in the early childhood is that the order is in the mind versus in the environment. So while we can hope that the attention to detail and order that's cultivated in the first plane of development will continue into the second plane, that's not always the case. It's been observed many a time that previously orderly five-year-olds move into elementary environments sometimes and become less orderly than before. But is it really true that they are less attuned to order? Not exactly. They're shifting their focus towards order in their minds. As they are now in a stage where abstract thinking and imagination is developing, there's a lot of classifying and organizing happening within the mind. This might mean that external orderliness is not as apparent, but it's mostly due to the fact that there's so much energy being expended on internal order. As a Montessori elementary teacher, you will likely not see in the elementary child the same level of tidiness that is observed in a three to six classroom. However, it is reasonable to expect that even if the project or follow-up work area is in disarray during an activity, you can set the expectation that work areas be tidy at key times of the day, such as right before lunch or before going home at the end of the day. So I always like to think of it as it's kind of like might look like an explosion when they're in the middle of it. And that's okay. Like they're, they have a lot going on, but They just need to tidy it up at specific key times of the day, and especially before going home for the day. And getting them in the routine of doing that along the way is an important thing. So some final thoughts here. As you can see, there are lots of ways in which the elementary environment departs from the early childhood environment in terms of how it's prepared and how the children interact with the guide and with each other. The reason for this is because the elementary child is now in a new stage of development. So what worked for the younger child will likely not work for older children. So if you are a new elementary teacher and are excited about putting card material on the shelf and creating self-contained work on trays, you might be sorely disappointed because the children of this age won't be drawn to these things in such a way that they would have been when they were younger. If you can keep in mind the needs and characteristics of the elementary child, you will be able to prepare an enriching and engaging environment that appeals to their interests and ignites their imaginations. That concludes this episode for Montessori Talks. And I look forward to having you join me in podcasts in the future. Thanks for tuning in to Trillium Montessori Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love the practical and actionable classroom management advice in the Montessori Principles to Practice webinar libraries. Head to trilliummontessori.org forward slash podcast for details 
and to learn about all the ways we can help you optimize your Montessori work. We'll be back soon with more Montessori inspiration. In the meantime, please help other Montessori guides find this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for being a part of the Trillium community.